Good morning, Clay Church. It is an honor to be here, and I must say, there is a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. A sweet spirit. My soul has been blessed, and I'm so grateful um, that, you know, the second service doesn't feel like the stepchild, amen. I was like, wow, the, the worship was just as rich as the first service, and uh, my heart has just been filled this morning, so I'm so grateful to be here. Um, it's an honor to be in a church where I can see that I am amongst not just churchgoers, but disciples. As I look, I can and, and see the, the, uh, the, the ministry that happens here. You all are a church that is committed to being like Jesus, not just gathering together for the sake of gathering, but being like Jesus. And that warms my heart. It says a lot about who you are as a congregation, but it also says a lot about uh, the leader that God has placed here at Clay Church. And could you do me a favor? Could you join me in just putting your hands together to honor the man of God that the conference has sent to serve here, Pastor Brian? Amen. Amen. God is good all the time and... This is the day the Lord has made. All right, we're going to try this one more time. God is good. And all the time. Amen, amen, amen. I'm blessed to have my oldest with me uh, today, my daughter, uh, Araya, and my, she's my, that's my 22-year-old. My 11- and 8-year-old are in Children's Church, and they're so excited. And Isaiah, I'm sure, is... Uh, tearing up the nursery, so pastor just send me the bill, because uh, <laughs> I'm sure he's tearing something up. <laughs> Praise God. The word of the Lord for today comes from uh, the book of Zechariah, the seventh chapter, and I am going to read verses 4 through 12. Verses 4 through 12, and it reads, then the word of the Lord Almighty came to me. Ask all the people of the land and the priests when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seven months for the past 70 years, was it really for me that you fasted? And when you were eating and drinking, were you not just feasting for yourselves? Are these not the words the Lord proclaimed through the earlier prophets when Jerusalem and its surrounding towns were at rest and prosperous, and the Negev and the western foothills were settled? And the word of the Lord came again to Zechariah. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. But they refused to pay attention. 
Stubbornly, they turned their backs and covered their ears. They made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law or the words that the Lord Almighty sent by his spirit through the prophets. And so the Lord Almighty was very angry. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. God of grace and mercy, we thank you and we honor you. We give you honor, praise, and glory on this day. God, I ask that you would touch me, your servant, uh, that you would um, cause the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart to be acceptable in your sight, O God. You alone are my strength and my redeemer. And Lord, although I have created and put together this manuscript, by the power of your spirit, may you edit it as you see fit, even in the preaching moment. God, you've called us together, all of us, your people, here in this place, in this moment. Help us, help me, your servant, to not waste your time. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Would you all do me a favor? I want to make sure, because it's a little dark in here for this service. So this is like the cool service. Got to make sure no one tries to take a nap. Um, just look to your left or your right, to the person on the side of you, and say, uh, God is giving us a friendly reminder. Uh -huh. So say it again with a little ump. Say, today, God is giving us a friendly reminder. Have you ever received a friendly reminder and thought, I didn't need that reminder? And it really didn't sound too friendly. I read this article that said that some people receive uh, what are supposed to be friendly reminders. They, they receive them as, as snarky and they are suspicious of the motivations of the senders. But my brothers and sisters today, I have a confession. I love friendly reminders. I love friendly reminders. As a person that is neurodivergent, that, that wrestles with ADHD, give me all the reminders. Yes, I'm that one that when I have somewhere to be, I set a one-month reminder, uh, a one-week reminder, a one-day reminder, one hour, and maybe even like 30 minutes. I have to make sure I don't forget. I love friendly reminders. For some of us, those friendly reminders are lifesavers. Like when you forgot about the dentist appointment and then they send that text message, Remember, you got a dentist appointment tomorrow, no fluids six to eight hours before the appointment. No coffee, right? Or that reminder that Zoom sends that reminds you that you set a Zoom for 9 a.m. on Monday morning. Yikes. I love friendly reminders. Friendly reminders are a call to remember and a call to action that I've got to be somewhere, do something, that there is an action that I must take. And I have to say that I'm so inspired by your Be Kind campaign. It is a much needed 
friendly reminder for all of us to remember to be kind, to say something kind, to do something kind for another person. And we may agree on a lot of things, but can we, I mean, we may disagree about a lot of things, but can we all agree that our world, our friends, our family, our communities can use a little bit more kindness? Yeah, amen. I heard an amen. I'm about to shout. Lord knows. Listen, all right now. You can say amen. It will not interrupt or disrupt me. Hallelujah. Get up, run around the church, do something. Let me know that you're here. All right. But my grandmother always said that people don't have to be kind, but when they do, say Thank you. So I want to say thank you to Debbie Scherzer for her act of kindness. Because last night when I arrived at my hotel and I opened the door and I looked and there was this big be kind yard sign that will be up today. Yeah. And there was the clay church bag that was full of goodies and the children and I, we were smiling as we were uh, fighting over candy. Mm-hmm. And so we just had this moment where this tangible moment where we received kindness from Clay Church. And so I'm so very grateful for that. Mark Twain says that kindness is the language that the deaf can hear and that the blind can see, that kindness is universal, no matter your age, your race, your gender, your class, an act of kindness will pierce past your skin and your bones and it will touch your heart. Kindness a call to remember, a call to action. And as we journey into the book of Zechariah, we will encounter Yahweh, our God, giving us and the children of Israel a friendly reminder through the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah is a book that we don't uh, uh, visit too often. I was looking for some, some help for today's sermon, and, and only one small snippet of Zechariah is even in the lectionary. I mean, I was like, a sister can't get no help uh, with this sermon. And so here we are in Zechariah. It's during this time that Darius is uh, the ruler that's leading during uh, the Persian Empire, and he has this plan to bring peace in the land. The book opens with a friendly reminder to the people from God, and it tells them that God has been angry with their ancestors. Angry. And he sends a friendly reminder, return to me and I'll return to you. This reminder that Yahweh has consistently given to, to the children of Israel when they find themselves off track, when they disobey, when they violate God's covenant. God is always searching us out to gather us back unto God's self. And that is a word even for us today. Somebody here, you might feel a little bit distant from God. You may wonder if something you've done has caused a wedge between you and God. But what I love about God's grace is no matter how we have missed the mark, God is always looking for us, calling for us to call us back unto God's self. 
Some parent, you might be worried about a child or a grandchild that seems like uh, they've lost their way. But take comfort today knowing that even sometimes when you have to cut them off, God never cuts them off. God's always pursuing us. And then this text, God is pursuing the children of Israel. The temple is being rebuilt. It's a symbol that God's presence is among them. And chapter 7 opens up. There's this group of men. They're going to the house of God to pray. Where's the women? We know they were somewhere. Come on. Women, y'all know we be praying. But the text leaves the women out. It says there's a group of men. They're going to the house of God to pray, and they ask the priests and the prophets, they say, should we continue weeping and, and mourning and fasting as we've been doing for the last 70 years? See, for the last 70 years, they found themselves uh, in exile. Uh, uh, the Jerusalem has been uh, destructed, and so the Israelites, they've been keeping these for fast, things have not been going great for them. And so yearly at the appointed times, they're going to commemorate uh, the breach of the walls of Jerusalem, the siege against Jerusalem, and the destruction of the temple. And you would think that is an honorable thing every year, four times a year, for 70 years. Come on, now some of us haven't done anything consistent for, for 10 years. But for 70 years, they've been going up, they've been weeping and mourning and fasting. You would think that God would honor their faithfulness. You would think that God would honor their faithfulness. But the response is, uh, uh, from Zechariah, is God, is God asked Zechariah, asked them a question. When you were doing all that for 70 years, <laughs> was it really for me? Or did you do it for yourself? And when you finished with that and you went right back to eating and drinking, wasn't that all about you? Yahweh is calling out that their hearts were not in the right place, that this, these things they were doing, it was a show. It was routine, but it was disconnected from God's purposes. You know, uh, I know you don't do it here, but you know, in some churches, uh, ministry is wash, rinse, and repeat. There's just a spaghetti dinner. Uh, there's the annual yard sale. There's the silent auction, you know, and, and all these things that these, these things that are about self and that are not done necessarily for the glory of God. I remember serving a church and they were adamant about the spaghetti dinner. We sell spaghetti every year, but they would not go out into the community to meet people. Did you know that it's possible that we can be present, show up every Sunday and have hearts that are not motivated by God or filled with the love of God, that it's possible that we can come to church and serve on committees, pay our tithes, and not be filled or led by the Spirit of God? 
Proverbs 16, 2 says that we may be pure in our own eyes, but it's the Lord that examines the motives of our hearts. And so I want to give a friendly reminder that God cares about the condition of your heart. God cares about the motives of your heart. Do we come to church for the food, the fellowship out of routine or habit, or do we come to worship God, to hear a word, to humble ourselves before God, to be fashioned into the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our liberator? Hearts are important to God. The prophet Joel says, return to me with all your heart. Yes, with the fasting and weeping and mourning, but tear your heart and not your garments. The Bible says that out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. I remember the first church uh, that I was a part of. I wasn't serving on, on leadership. I was just a member, but it was the first United Methodist Church that I belonged to, and, and we had a group that would go down to the United Methodist Church that was downtown so that we could go and serve uh, the homeless. And so uh, the downtown church, they fed folks five days a week, and they fed good food. As a matter of fact, they fed either two or three meals five days a week. And so various churches would sign up to serve so they could keep this ministry going. And it was our turn. We were way out in the suburbs in a business park, not even in a community. And we go downtown to go serve. And I remember afterwards, the youth pastor that, that went down with us, he said he was not returning. He said, I'm never going back down there. And we were puzzled, huh? He said, I'm never going back down there. Well, why not? Those people didn't even have a smile on their face as I put food on their plates. Nobody told me thank you. What are we serving for? Why are we being kind? Is it for a thank you? Is it so that we can look and be perceived to be a certain way? Or is it because we believe that God is calling us to live a life of kindness? Every now and then, my brothers and sisters, no matter how long we've been in church, no matter uh, what your clergy collar looks like or how long your robe is, we have to come before God and say, God created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Every now and then, we have to ask God to examine us, to take away our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. God, I want to be like Jesus. Give me a heart that serves. Give me a heart that sacrifices God. Give me a heart that is repentant and turns away from my own way, God. Give me a heart that forgives and apologizes. When we have a heart of stone, we'll be in church every Sunday and won't forgive that family member that wronged us. You don't know what they did to me. Oh, but when your heart is submitted to God, you know that it's not about you and it's not about them, but it's about God. 
friendly reminder, God cares about our heart. But the second friendly reminder I see in this text is that God wants our obedience. And not just our sacrifice and our service. God wants our obedience that when we hear the word of the Lord that we will obey. That we'll do what God asks us to do. In this text, Zechariah reminds them that are these not the words that the Lord proclaimed through the earlier prophets? I'm coming to what I'm telling you here today. It's the same thing God's been saying. It's the same thing God's been asking of us. And they did not obey. And the text says that the Lord Almighty was angry. Our disobedience makes God mad. I remember in my very first appointment, I was so excited. I was appointed uh, to a small church, and I'm sure that there had been countless messages preached about love, and, and I'm sure uh, about racial justice. I'm sure there were many messages preached about loving everybody, but it's possible to come to church, hear a message, and yet close our ears to that which God would have us to hear. I had a member in his 80s, and he was on his deathbed. And I went to the hospital to visit him, and we had uh, recited the Lord's Prayer together, and I had turned uh, my cell phone on. That's what I love about cell phones, and I pray, uh, played uh, Amazing Grace, and, and he began weeping. And myself and his daughter were here by his hospital bed, and, and he just begins weeping. And he looks up at me, and he says, Pastor Anita, he could never get my name right, but you know, I, I accepted, I was okay. He said, Pastor Anita, I wasn't raised to like Negroes. He said, I served in the military. I know some of those boys would have given their life for me. And I know you'd give your life for me. And I thought, oh no, baby, Jesus already did that. I'm not giving my life. But it was a serious moment. He said, I was not raised to like black people. He was a founding member of the church. Been inside the church, I believe, around 54 years. And never had to think about or never thought about how God might be calling him to truly love all people, until I became his pastor. And time and time again, God gives us friendly reminders to love, to forgive, to serve, to be kind, to do justice. God sent them many friendly reminders, and they closed their ears and their hearts, but they kept going to worship. They kept going through, through the routine, the routine of church, but nothing was changing on the inside, and so it was not causing a change on the outside. There can't be kindness in the land, justice in the land, unless there's a change that happens on the inside of us, and we're moved to be kind, 
and were moved to do justice. But God sent them a friendly reminder through the prophet Amos who told them to seek good and not evil so they would lead. Amos told them that God despises your religious festivals and your assemblies are a stench to God and they didn't hear him. And so God also sent them Micah. Micah says he's already told you mortals what he requires of you. Do justice. Love mercy. Walk humbly with God. They closed their ears. God sent them Isaiah, the prophet, who told them, stop bringing me your meaningless offerings, your new moon, your Sabbaths, your convocations, your charge conference, your annual conference, your general conference. I don't care about any of that if you're closing your eyes and your ears to the most vulnerable among you. Isaiah tells them in chapter 117, learn to do right. Seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. God has sent us many prophets. Desmond Tutu came with a friendly reminder that told us if we're neutral in situations of injustice, we have chosen the side of the oppressor. If an elephant has its foot on the tail of a mouse, if an officer has their knee in the neck of George Floyd, and you say, I'm neutral, well, the mouse and George do not appreciate your neutrality. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. came to us with a reminder. And we always talk about his I have a dream speech, but we forgot that Dr. King rebuked the white moderate and he rebuked black middle class congregations. And he expressed his disappointment. He said that those who are so comfortable, we become more devoted to order than to justice. We prefer a negative peace where there is no tension than a positive peace where there is justice. King believed in the possibility that we could not only have lunch counters that were integrated, but that a living wage could be provided for the poor. He believed that we could not only integrate buses, but that decent housing could be provided for the poor. He believed that blacks could be given the right to vote and also that poverty and racism could be totally eradicated. Dr. King knew that the same systems that created slave plantations are the same systems that create ghettos to this day. And he believed that with the stroke of a pen, poverty could be eradicated. Do you believe that poverty and racism can be eradicated? Does anyone believe it's really possible? I do. I'm a prisoner of hope. And that's what I love about the prophets. 
Because God uses the prophets to open up our eyes to the mess that we created, to our, our disobedience, to, to the ways in which we, we, we close our eyes and close our ears to the voices of the poor and the marginalized. And yet the prophets come to give us a vision of God's world of the vision of the world that we can have, that God would prefer of a world where justice rolls down like water and righteousness like a never-ending stream, a world where there is peace and equity and an abundance of love. I believe that humanity is well able. But the text says, they were worshiping. They were going through their rituals. They refused to pay attention. They stubbornly turned their backs and stopped up their ears. They allowed their hearts to not just get hard, but to remain hard. And they would not listen to the law or the words of the Lord. Archbishop William Temple reminds us that the church is the only organization on earth that exists for those who are not its members. In order for light to be seen, he says that we, you, I, us together, we must be willing to go where darkness is, where injustice is, and we must be willing to engage it and walk through it so that in time, our light, the light of God, the light of Jesus, the light of peace, the light of justice, the light of hope can overcome the darkness. Friendly reminder, God wants our hearts. Friendly reminder, number two, God wants our obedience. Friendly reminder, number three, God wants us to be kind. Yeah, yeah. Kindness is not justice, but kindness can lead to justice. The dictionary describes kindness as being considerate, courteous, and helpful. That's the dictionary's description. But in our text, it says, this is what the Lord Almighty says, administer true justice, show kindness and mercy to one another. When the Bible speaks of kindness, the Bible is speaking of a kindness that is called said. And when you look at the Hebrew uh, in that word kindness, it's hesed. It's found over 250 times in the Old Testament. It's an essential character. It's an essential part of God's character. And sometimes it's translated as kindness, uh, but other times it's translated as mercy or loving kindness or goodness or favor. It expresses the love and mercy that God has towards humanity. Has said is more than a feeling or emotion because has said accompanies action. It is more than just the dictionary's explanation of kindness. It's love in action. Has said is about love expressed. It's the love of God on the inside of us flowing out into loving action into the community. Many of us are here today 
because of God's has said, oh, I have a sneaky suspicion. I have a sneaky suspicion that somebody here has been a recipient of God's grace. I have a sneaky suspicion that somebody here has been a recipient of God's mercy. Oh, I have a sneaky suspicion that somebody here knows what it's like to be so depressed that you don't know if you'll ever be able to get out of that bed. But somehow God's grace, God's mercy came up in your bedroom and gave you the strength and delivered you. I believe that somebody, some marriage is still together today. You know you wanted to walk away from one another. Oh, but God's mercy entered into your home and one minute you couldn't stand each other and the next minute you couldn't keep your hands off each other. I have a sneaky suspicion that there are some people here today that have been recipients of God's has said. God's loving action poured out for you. you. Hallelujah. I know that I'm here today because of God's has said I, I was sinking deep in sin far from the peaceful shore, a very deeply stained within seeking to rise no more. Uh, but our God, master of the sea, he heard my despairing cry and from the waters he lifted me and now safe am I. God's loving kindness lifted me. Maybe one day I'll get invited back and I'll, I can talk to your youth and tell them all about how I was a 10th grade dropout and a GED recipient and how I had felonies as a youth and as an adult, but God has said, lifted me. That's a whole nother story for another day. There's a story I came across that I will share today. It's called the river story. And this story, you may have heard it before. There's a woman that's standing by the shore of this flowing river, and she hears the cry of a drowning man. She jumps in the river. She swims to the man, gets him. She pulls him out. And the moment that he's at a place of safety, she hears someone else crying out. She jumps in the river again. She gets that person, pulls them out, gets them to safety. And now she's hearing several cries from several different places. And others also start jumping in the river. Isn't that a kind thing to do? To respond when someone is in need? But finally, she gets out of the river and she walks around and they say, hey, where are you going? Don't you see all these people drowning? She says, I'm going to see where and how and why so many people keep falling into this river. Kindness is not justice, but kindness can lead to justice. It's kind to see about the people falling in a river, but justice says, I'm going to demand accountability from the systems that keep allowing people to fall into the river in the first place. Last and final friendly reminder is God wants justice. This justice, this mishpat Justice, it is a divinely righteous action, whether it's taken by God or humanity. Justice promotes equality. It 
uplifts the righteous and the oppressed. Justice restores right relationship with God and humanity. And justice restores right relationship amongst humanity. Justice responds to the cries of the oppressed. Kindness is jumping in the river to help people out, but justice is seeing why, the, why it's like that in the first place. Kindness is reading to failing children, but justice is saying, I'm going to the board of education and I'm going to hold them accountable. Kindness is writing an inmate, but justice is fighting against systems that over-incarcerate our own citizens. Kindness is removing the conviction fell in question off of an, app, off of an application, but justice is being a business owner willing to give someone a job even when their background check comes back imperfect. Kindness is being willing to say that black lives matter, but justice is actively resisting evil, injustice, and oppression in every form that it presents itself. Yahweh says, administer true justice. God wants justice, y'all, to roll down like waters. God wants justice. And I loved as I looked at your Be Kind campaign, that we are encouraging people to be kind, to do something kind, but also to stand up, to speak out, and to act in places of inequity and injustice to ensure that the vulnerable are treated fairly. I love that you all added that. Because Cornel West reminds us that justice is what love looks like in public. May God bless each and every one of us today to hear God's friendly reminder so that we can become more like Jesus, full of kindness, but also full of compassion. What does compassion do? Compassion sees and compassion hears. When we look in the Gospels, it would tell us that Jesus would see a person and he would be moved by compassion. That's the action. It's not enough to say, gosh, that is so sad, those poor things. But to be moved to action. God is sending us a friendly reminder, friends. Remember, God wants your heart. Remember, God wants your obedience. Friendly reminder, God wants kindness. Friendly reminder, God wants justice. And each and every one of us are called to bear witness to the kingdom of God here on this earth, to bear witness to the gospel message, to bear witness that we are disciples who not only represent Christ, but who represent Christ to this world. Bow your heads and pray with me. Oh God, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. 
Lord, we thank you for your said. We thank you for your loving kindness towards us, O oh God, that while we were yet sinners, that Jesus died on a cross for us. We thank you, God, for your said, your mercy that is always chasing us down, no matter where and how we've missed the mark. God, I thank you that you don't ever give up on us, that you're always running, chasing after us to call us back unto you. Thank you, God, for giving us another chance to hear your word and to obey your word. Thank you for reminding us, oh God, to surrender our hearts, to obey, to be kind, and to do justice. Lord, continue to have your way in our lives, and we will be mindful to forever give you all the honor and all the glory. It's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen.